I'm a veterinarian, sure, but I'm way more than that. I'm also a tango dancer, a struggling but determined pie maker, and a mom. With IndieVets, I get to choose when and where I work. I create my own schedule and choose shifts at nearby animal hospitals that are right for me. Having that flexibility is exactly what I need to have plenty of time for all those other things that I am. Because I'm more than just a vet. Visit IndieVets.com to learn more and apply. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. If you would like to send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV. And to find out about the broadcast schedule of the Exxon Radio Show on the Exxon Broadcast Network and the other great programming that we have available for you, 724 365. Visit www.xzbn.net. My guest this hour, Exxon Nation, is Carl David. He is the author of Bader Field. It's an autobiography of Carl David's struggle with his father's death that allowed him to run the David David Gallery, his struggle with the suicide of his dear brother, and his path to success. Joining me now is Carl David. And Carl, welcome to the Exxon. Thank you, Rob. It's an honor and a pleasure to be with you today. Tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and how you got to be the author of Waking Dreams, The Subtle Reality. Um, I am a third-generation art dealer in our business in Philadelphia, which is now in its fourth generation. And my first Mm -hmm. foray into writing um, outside of college, where I read a scathing letter about the food in the cafeteria, but couldn't sign it. Uh, <laughs> I, I wrote the book, uh, Collecting Care of Fine Art, which Crown published for me in 1981. Mm-hmm. We had given all these lectures to um, collectors and seminars and things like that, and said to my brother one day, you know, I'm going to put this into a book form and help people. And I did that. And then I wrote my next book, which was called Bader Field, How My Family Survived Suicide, which is a non-fiction family saga it reads like fiction, but it's not a very powerful, inspirational book. And um, I had to let that run 
for years before I could write Waking Dreams, A Subtle Reality, which is an anthology of, of episodes of synchronicity and signs that I've gotten from the universe and from those who've passed before. And um, I just knew I had this in me and it was something I wanted to share with the world to let them know that life doesn't end here, that there are more dimensions than are visible to the naked eye. Uh, so I wrote this book and I had to wait because I wanted to make sure people didn't think mm -hmm. I had three heads before I wrote this after coming out of two other uh, more academic books, if you will. And um, that's how I got started writing this book. It took me a while and I put I used some of the chapters from Bader Field, which were literally episodes of synchronicity um, that fit very well in this new work. How would you describe synchronicity? Synchronicity is a, a confluence or a meeting of events, like a coexistence, a, a, a um, coincidence where two incidents cross paths by design of the universe. It's not an accident where, where you have a, mm -hmm. a, a deja vu or you have a, a situation where there are overlapping events that don't make sense. They don't seem like they're, they're partnered correctly, but they actually aren't by design. So synchronicity are, are really is really um, synchronous episodes, you know, that just they, they coexist and they work together. Could you share with us a couple of synchronicities that you yourself had have had in your life? Sure. Um, I don't know how many days we have, but I'll try and get this into a couple of minutes. <laughs> All right. Um, the, one of the most powerful episodes of synchronicity that I experienced, and, and these things come in different different forms and, and um, different ways. But when my dad passed away and we were at the funeral at the cemetery and it was a hot August day, um, the rabbi was giving his eulogy and out of nowhere, we hear the tune of a Piper Aztec flying above us. And my father was a pilot and the last plane he owned was a Piper Aztec. It's a twin engine aircraft that I had flown with him many, many times. And I look up and I see this thing circling above us and it was red and white, same color as my dad's plane. My mother looked up, my wife looked up, my brother looked up, we all looked at each other and we all knew that this was my father's way of letting us know he was free, he was okay not to worry. But it, it sent a chill through all of us and I still get choked up when I think about it because it was so powerful. And it was a sign from him even though he was gone, that he was okay. Can you give our listeners uh, an idea as to what waking dreams are? Waking dreams are episodes of synchronicity. They're signs of guidance, warning, acknowledgement, affirmation mm -hmm. that you get if you're aware of them, if you allow them. They allow, allow the existence of these things. They come to you as different um, they can be electrical impulses. They could be a, a, a note on a, uh, a paper somewhere that you see that it's actually a, a designed message to guide you and to let you know, don't do this, or this is the way you should go. Or it, it can be a, a waft of cigarette smoke that reminds you that spirit is there with you from someone who had been a smoker, like my dad. Uh, there are times that I would I would get a waft of cigarette smoke and there was nobody there and I was mm -hmm. alone and there was no way that anybody could have lighted a cigarette. So these things come in different forms. It can be a, a song on the radio that you're thinking about something and all of a sudden 
the song plays that reminds you that that person's still with you in spirit. What's the difference of, uh, between a person being with you in spirit and being part of your memory? I don't know that you can really separate them, but a memory is, is a vivid remembrance, good, bad, mm -hmm. or indifferent, of, of an event. But when someone's with you in spirit, they're still with you. And just because you can't see or hear and connect with them physically, there is still a very strong positive connection. You can't see electricity. You can't see the wind. You can only see the well, effect wait, of, wait a of those things. You, you certainly can see electricity and lightning. Well, you can. That's yeah. true. I mean, but you can't see the household current that runs through. You can see the lights that they turn on and know the refrigerator is working, but you can't actually physically see that current unless you're using some kind of spectrometer or some kind of, you know, um, instruments that can pick that up. But I just meant in general. But I, yeah, I you see. can see electricity through lightning. That is correct. Okay. Um, so, you know, what are some of the signs that the universe gives us to... Uh, to to validate synchronicities or coincidences or even the fact that someone is there in spirit and not in memory? Well, I think it's different for everyone. Mm -hmm. um, I know from my own experiences that um, I had a dream once where my father came to me and he was upside down and he's wearing a pink sport jacket. And this was just like made no sense to me at all. And he came nose to nose with me in my dream. But the nonverbal communication that he gave me that I sensed very strongly was a warning to get legal representation. There was going to be a legal issue coming up and I needed to be prepared. And I had really no, no vision of this before that and no sense of what it might have been. But I called my attorneys and said, first of all, first I called my mother the next day and I said, hey, mom, did Pop have a, a pink sport jacket? She said, why? And I said, well, I just had this really powerful dream. And I told her about the dream, and she stopped for a second. There was silence on the phone, and she said, your father had a pink sport jacket. That's the jacket we buried him in because it was his favorite. Now, I never had, I never wanted to see my dad um, except in life, so I did not partake in the, um, the viewing of his body before the, the funeral. Mm -hmm. So I had no idea that he had a pink sport jacket. That was news to me. So all of a sudden, I go, this is real. I called my attorneys and I said, something's coming. I'm not sure what it is, but I need you guys to be ready. So they said, no worries. We'll be here for you. And I had been in a business relationship with a, an investor for whom I'd made millions of dollars over a decade. And one day I got a letter saying cease and desist. And he was suing me for, oh, God, all kinds of unfounded things. That, and I now knew what was going on Unreal. and had the, the dream had validity. So I, I lawyered up, and, and we we fought this thing. Whether it's real or it's not, you still have to defend against it. Sure. Obviously, it wasn't real, but we had to make it go away. Could this have just simply been a coincidence? Uh, I don't really believe in coincidence. I think that these things happen for a reason. And you know, as I mentioned, coincidences are two, two things that cross yeah. paths um, as an event that meets another event and gives you a, a sign like, hey, pal, wake up. You know, this is coming at you. So, no, this, sure. this was so real. There's no way it could have been anything but um, a waking dream. All right, stand by. We've got to take our first break. Exonation, our guest this hour is Carl David. 
And if you'd like to find out more about Carl, visit his website at www.carledavid.com. C-A-R-L-E-D-A-V-I-D.com. This is the Exxon, a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And uh, Carl and I will be back on the other side of this break as we continue our quest to find out the truth, to find out what is real, and to expose that which is not. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. Carl David is my guest this hour, Exxon Nation, www.carledavid.com is his website. And Carl, when was it that you first realized that you were able to receive these communications and that the universe was talking to you? I, I probably had these um, signs long before I realized what they were, mm-hmm. but I think when my dad passed away and at the funeral, uh, that was probably the most poignant and the most evident that something else was going on here that, um, when, you know, when we saw the airplane circling above the cemetery, uh, and I knew at that point that, Hey, these are real and you got to pay attention to them. Uh, these, these signs that come to you, they're like guideposts and they can come in a various, various, in various forms. Um, and sometimes they'll keep coming at you until you realize that you're being guided and the, the universe is trying to tell you something. Uh, if you don't pay attention to it, you make mistakes, mm-hmm. you know, you get another sign. Sometimes, some, and there are some people who don't believe in them at all, and that's fine. Um, you have to be open to them and understand that this is a, just another level of reality. So I think that was probably the first time. I may have had these when I was a kid and just don't remember. Um, who knows? You know, I... Uh, I, I do know that the, the night my brother took his life, um, the house, we, we didn't know what was going on. There was a terrible feeling of malaise in the house. I didn't want to go to school the next morning. My parents said, no, no, you, you go to school. Um, and when I got to school, I had driven that day. I was a senior in high school, and the uh, assembly was loud, and all of a sudden I heard my name being called to come up to the podium. The principal said, there's been an emergency. You need to go home. Well, thank God he didn't tell me what it was. Um, and I just this this air of malaise that something was really wrong, uh, not knowing what it was, came true. I mean, you know, when I got home, my eldest brother greeted me at the door and told me that Bruce was dead, and I just my world went black. Uh, and so, I, you know, I think things like that really wake you up. I didn't have a sign, yeah. but I had a really bad intuitive sense that something was wrong the night before. How do we? How do you explain, or how do you try to explain, when you're talking to someone who 
for the first time is hearing about the the possibility of synchronicities that during the funeral of your dad that this red airplane the same type that your father flew the same color that your father flew flying over circles over the place where your dad was being laid to rest how do you how do you explain that this was a sign that it was nothing else but a sign that your dad was finally free well i think that you'd have to be in our family to understand that when you're trying to explain this to someone people look at you and say oh my god that's incredible mm-hmm. or they say yeah sure you know but having lived it uh we are all well aware that this was very real and it happened a second time uh, when my wife and I bought our first, first boat and we were piloting down the Delaware River. We're underneath the um, Taconi Palmyra Bridge, and when you go under a bridge, you always look up. Now, when we came out of the other side of the bridge, there was a another Piper Aztec, but this time no paint, just gunmetal silver. And it dipped its wings and took off. It was there just briefly. Mm-hmm. And we both knew that that was a sign, you know, of a blessing from my dad saying, you know, this is great. I acknowledge I'm here for you. Um, so things like this really stick in your mind. And when they happen more than once, and it happened three times, actually, with with a Piper Aztec. Right. Um, it, it, it's very affirming. And, it, you know, it's difficult to explain this to someone who, who doesn't accept it or they're not open to it. And as, as I said, that's fine. Um, it's not for everybody until it hits them in the face, if it ever does. But, um, yeah, it, it's it's just something when I tell this, I tell it with conviction mm-hmm. because it's, it's extraordinarily real. It's extraordinarily real to you because the pieces of a puzzle start fitting into the puzzle board of your of your of your psyche because it has a personal uh, attachment to you. But another person standing beside you, looking at the same synchronicity, may say, I don't get it. Right. Yeah. And that's perfectly fine. <laughs> if, if one person gets a synchronicity like yourself and, and your wife, and I'm sure there are other people in the world who have synchronicities, why don't we all have them? I think we all have them. I just think that a lot of um, times there just needs to be an evolution and an awakening. And a, you have to be on a certain vibrational level to acknowledge them, to feel them, to receive them. And some people are and some people aren't. They're just closed off to it. And and that's okay. Uh, maybe they always will be. Maybe someday they'll get a sign and they'll say, now I believe. Oh, my God. You know, but um, it's just everybody in their own time their own state of awareness, enlightenment, and vibrational level. I, I'm having a bit of a problem uh, trying to trying to work this into to my way of thinking because when I would see something like that, like you're telling me the story, and please, I, I mean no disrespect. You're telling me okay. about the story of where you're, you know, the day of your funeral and uh, your dad's funeral, and you see this this plane. Well, see, my, my first question would be, okay, 
is the cemetery near uh, an airfield? Okay, that's a good question. And is it? Um, no, it's not. Is it unusual for um, a plane to be in that area? It was unusual for us to see this because there was nothing else in the sky. There were no mm-hmm. other planes, gotcha. and that one was very pointed. So I understand how someone could be skeptical, and, and you know, and that's perfectly fine. Uh, this sign was meant for us, yeah. and it's possible that we saw it. No one else did. But but how do how do we explain or how do we factor in the the chain of events that would have to fall into place just for you and your family to have this this sighting or this synchronicity or this message? Uh, you would have to have somebody who, for one reason or another, was flying in that airspace in the same type of aircraft in the same color pattern as as your dad's aircraft or do you think that only you and your immediate family were able to see this aircraft and that it was in fact a vision that is a good question uh for which i don't really have an answer because it could be either Mm -hmm. it could be just coincidental that there was this red and white aztec flying above doing circles over that cemetery right in that area at that time or it could have been something that was meant just for us to see and that no one else saw it. It is very plausible. Is the Aztec a very popular aircraft? Um, in its day, there were a number of them. I mean, it was a great workhorse. Yeah. Um, I don't know that it's, you know, it's not like a Ford Mustang where you see them all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it was, yes, it was a popular airplane. Okay. Um, do you know many other people who have had the same type of experiences that you have experienced? I do. I know a number of people, not necessarily with the airplane, but I know mm-hmm. a number of people who have had these experiences that just seem out there. They seem bizarre. They don't seem real. Um, and it, they, it makes them question their own sanity sometimes when you, really? you get one of these signs. And, uh, that, you know, is it real? Is it, was that real? Did this just happen? Uh, and this happens a lot. I mean, I've seen so many of these things that are just co- coincidental, if you will, but they're really not. I mean, they're, they're, they're focused, they're purposeful, and they're messages from the universe. How could the universe manipulate this to happen? That's a good question. I think the universe is, is all-knowing and um, has powers that we have no clue about. Uh, so I, I don't have the answer to that. I just know that in, in its own perfection, the universe, by design, um, is just extraordinary. So why would the universe pick out certain people, choose certain people to have these type of experiences? I'm not sure. I think maybe they come when people need them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they don't just happen, you know, when, when things are going along smoothly, yeah. unless it's an affirmation of something. But I think it's when people are going through grief or going through a difficult time, some kind of trauma or recovery from something that, that they show up as, as a means of helping. So then if these synchronicities seem to happen to people in their time of need, time of grief, how do we know that they're simply not a manifestation of the human psyche in order to give the person who is experiencing the grief some type of comfort? I think it could be both. I think it could, it could manifest as, as a 
healing mm-hmm. modality uh, that we create, but I don't know how I would have manifested a, an Aztec flying above the cemetery um, because we all saw it and we didn't imagine it. It was real. So I, I guess I, I think there's something much more powerful than us as human beings. I think that there's a there's a common thread with the universe. Um, we didn't get here by accident. All right, you know, stand by. We need to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Exo Nation, Carl David is our guest for this hour. www.carledavid.com. And we'll both be back on the other side as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast centers in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. Wow, interesting topic. Once again, his website, carledavid.com. Welcome back, everyone. Carl E. David is our special guest of this hour. His website is www.carledavid.com. Carl, what did your friends and others say about your book that you wrote called uh, Waking Dreams? They actually thought it was fabulous. Um, I wrote this, and um, I wasn't sure how it was going to be received, but everybody who read it thought it was really very enlightening. It was... um, inspirational it gave them hope and the ones who had not experienced episodes of synchronicity or at least weren't consciously aware of them um we're now looking forward to these signs of of guidance and inspiration and answers to their questions so um i was very grateful that i wrote this and you know my my mo is paying it forward it's been my my Mm -hmm. dream of doing that my whole life uh, so sharing these episodes, hoping that they'll help someone to find solace in something, you know, receive a sign, a message, something. Um, and and the, the emails that I got and the phone calls were very rewarding. You know, everybody thanked me for writing the book, and um, I, that, that made me feel good. Finding solace sometimes and finding reason where there is no reason at at a given time in a person's life, has been interpreted by many as a way of not accepting reality, but looking towards um, fantasy as a way of answering questions. Does your book, or has your book been pointed to as that kind of book? No, not really. Um, I think people took it more seriously, and it didn't seem to be taken that I was conjuring up things um, as an alternate um, perception Mm -hmm. of the way things really were. Uh, So, no, I I think that it didn't have that negative um, connotation, you know, as as people read it. And I I reread it actually tonight in an hour. I hadn't hadn't read it in a while, and I had one copy here. And I have to tell you, I was really impressed. I mean, if if I were reading this as I did as an outsider, um, it, it would give me pause for thought and clarity and hope that, you know, I would get some signs and some uh, communication. But once again, you are a believer. But how would a non-believer or a skeptic see the book? 
they might see it as um, some kind of fantasy, you know, mm-hmm. that, that this is just uh, a conjured up way to, to um, deal with something that's right. too painful to deal with otherwise. When you go out to do book signings, like I'm sure you do as an author, in order to promote your book, what kind of questions do you get from those in attendance? Um, people normally will ask um, if I still get the signs. Uh, are there any others that I didn't put in the book that you know I can share the experience with? Mm-hmm. And what should they look for? And how do these things manifest? And um, are they real? So those are the things, the questions yeah. I get. Is there any is there any commonality between the people who who share the interest in your book and in synchronicities? Well, I think that there the the common thread are that people are looking for answers, and when they read a book like this, they get some clarity, mm-hmm. and and whether it's from divination or it's from just seeing these things occur um it it gives a sense of relief when they don't know and it gives a sense of relief in the fact that they now know that in their own minds that life goes on that even though they've they've lost people right um and and, you know and i've had communication from my brother and i've had communication from my father and whether it comes as a whisper or a dream or whatever you know when you share these things people start to realize like hey you know what i had one of those too i didn't think it was real but maybe it is so it gives hope. Is there any scientific evidence to substantiate the claims of synchronicity? Uh, there probably is, but again, it's one of these things that's so abstract that um, in order to quantify it uh, with, you know, instruments and... Mm-hmm. and um, Under controlled you know, situations. Exactly, yeah. Uh, so I, I, I don't know. I'm sure there are studies that have been done and whether, you know, it... it uh, agrees with it or it doesn't agree with it. I'm not really sure. What kind of research did you do for your book? Um, I didn't. I just, well, I mean, I, I shouldn't say that. I've read lots of books over the years uh, about signs and synchronicities and messages. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I first read them, it was like, yeah, really? You know, and then I started to get them. And when I got them, I said, yeah, really? Uh, so, you know, I've read, read other um, other stories that I've read, there was a medical doctor whose name I can't remember who had meningitis and he went into a coma and he saw all these things that he could not have known about. Um, and when he came back, he actually lived, he was in a coma for weeks. And when he came out of it, um, they, he knew exactly what had happened and had seen things that he could not have known otherwise. So this, you know, this whole white light thing and the tunnel and all that, all that stuff. That I have no idea if that's real or it's not real, but I know people have had experiences who have been near death, and they all come back saying the same thing. And people say, "Well, is that just a matter of the the brain giving impulses, electrical impulses that create this? Who knows? I don't know. You know, I haven't had that, thank God. Okay. Um, but." I, <laughs> I'm not ready to have that either. Do you think that the present state of society has a lot to do with the the quest of individuals looking for answers outside of the norm? Um, I think that, I, I, in a way, yes. I think that uh, I think the world's gone nuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with all the violence and and uh, anti law enforcement uh, horrors 
Um, so I, honestly, I don't know what's going on. I think people are probably looking for answers, but people are um, people are just in a, a different state of mind. It's terrible. What is the most common synchronicity that you've heard of? Do, you know, I'm talking to the people that you've talked about, the emails that you receive. Um, what's the most frequent well, one that people report to you? More likely than not, it is um, a communication from a loved one who's passed on. You know, whether it's whether it's a, a in a dream form where they see them, they get a message, mm-hmm. as I did. I've had several. Um, that's probably the most common. So communication with the dead, communication with the other yes. side. So are we tying synchronicities to mediumship? Um, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I don't know. Well, mediums well, I know my wife is ex- dead, yeah. My wife is extremely psychic and wow. um, intuitive, and I've gone against it any number of times because I'm a guy, and that's sometimes what we do. Uh, <laughs> but I... I I don't do that anymore because she's been right 100% of the time, and she sees things, and she's sometimes clairvoyant, and um, it's just like, yeah, this is very real. So um, I I don't know what it's got to do with with medium um, aspect of this and how many of those are real and not real. Mm -hmm. Not sure. So I, from what I'm hearing now, the, the paranormal or psychic abilities, uh, communication with the other side, has been rather prevalent in your life. It has. It has. I've gotten messages from my dad. I've mm-hmm. gotten a message from my mom. My mom was 94 when she passed away. Um, she had all kinds of health issues in the last year. And at one point in the hospital, she just, please, just let me go. Let me go. Let right. me die. Let me die. And that was one of the hardest words I ever had to hear. And I said, okay, mom, you know, we'll let you go. And the next morning, I didn't know if she was going to be alive or not. But the, I, I called the hospital and said, they told me she wants to go to hospice. I said, great. She's still got the will to live. My brother and I arranged for hospice in a, in a really nice facility. And she was there for a couple of weeks and then she stopped eating and, and just really shut down. So the night before she passed, I, um, Arlen and I, my wife and I saw her and she had that death mask on her face, but she was still alive. And I, we both told her how much we loved her. And if she needs to go, it's okay. You know, you'll be there with pop and Bruce and all your brothers and sisters and your parents. And we left um, in a state of twilight, it was just really bizarre. It was, it was just totally uncomfortable. And these were uncharted waters. Um, and I had called the, the facility and said, listen, if for some reason she passes in the middle of the night, don't call me. I will check in with you in the morning. I said, this happened with my dad. We're going to call at 10 to four in the morning. And it, it, it rocked my world. And I just don't want to have to do that. I know this is imminent. And I got in the shower at six o'clock in the morning, the next morning. And I said, no, Marlon, I got out of the shower, so I got this very strange sense of calm. It was 6.30 in the morning. I said, I think she's gone. And she said, no, I think you're wrong. I know, I'm not feeling that. Well, I called the facility at 7 o'clock, and they said, I'm sorry, Mr. David, your mom passed at 6.30. And that was exactly when I got that feeling of calmness, that I knew she was okay, but she was wow. gone. Yeah, it's, it's, it's it funny. Just, we first know. we got to get ready for a break here, but it's funny because you said before your wife was a hundred percent right, and, except for this time. <laughs> uh, so she wasn't a hundred percent. All right, we've got to take our final break for this hour. Exonation. Carl David is our guest. 
His website is carledavid.com. That's www.carledavid.com. And for all of you who have been asking, yes, we are going to be doing a replay of the interviews we have done with different people on my show, The Exxon, as well as with Kevin Randall, who is the host of A Different Perspective here on The Exxon Broadcast Network, with uh, people concerning the arrest of uh, the executive director of MUFON, Jan Harzan, and uh, we're also going to be playing some past interviews with Jan Harzan and other high-ranking officials of MUFON. I'll be back on the other side of this break as we wrap up this hour here in the X-Zone with our guest this hour, Carl David, on the other side of this break. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. My very special guest this hour is Carl David. His website is www.carledavid.com, and he is the author of Waking Dreams, The Subtle Reality. Uh, Carl, uh, there have been other books in the works on bookshelves everywhere, as well as the Internet on the metaphysical subjects like yours. How is your book different? Mine comes from a personal perspective with my own experiences, um, it's not just theory, although mm-hmm. there are a couple of pages in the beginning which actually describe what synchronicity means and, and what waking dreams actually are and how they manifest and the different the different ways that they manifest and, and what their purposes are. And, you know, a lot of the other books that are out there on metaphysical topics um, are theoretical, and I guess they're based on, on actual things that have happened to people, but I needed to explain from my own personal experience, which to me is a little more heartwarming than just reading textbooks about, you know, other people's experiences or, or in theory as to why something may have happened, and trying to explain it. The fact that we really do not know if synchronicities are real or how they are manifested, would that not tend to prove that your book is theoretical as well? Um, I guess in one level, one could say that, sure. Mm-hmm. But um, my having had these experiences is vindication and verification and validation uh, for me. I am well aware that these things do exist. And whether someone chooses to agree, disagree, believe or not mm-hmm. believe, um, you know, that that's fine. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion, their own choices in life. And um, I have no issue with that whatsoever. But for me, it's been very real. Um, we had a Belgian skipper key for 13 years, and she had a melanoma on her pad. I didn't know what it was. I'm an animal healer, and I tried to fix this, and I couldn't. So we went through all the, the surgery and the chest X-ray, and a woman who wanted to put her under for five times a week for six weeks with radiation. And I said, are you out of your mind? That will kill her. So I went and found um, this guy called Herb Doc, uh, Doc Schultz, and HerbDoc.com is his website. 
in California who grew all these great herbs and stuff. And he had these anti-cancer herbs, which I decided to try. I had nothing to lose. And we used these for three more years, um, and she was fine until it got to a point where she was really um, – one night she was she was just not herself at all, and we had, had a surgery for her. And the next morning, uh, we took her back after a horrendous night, and she was – um, she had a fever of 109. She was septic. She was shutting down. And the, the vet, who was very kind, the veterinary nurse, said, you know, do you want us to put her on life support? And I said, absolutely. And my wife looked at me and said, why are we doing this? She's not coming back. Right. So we opted to, to let her go as we held her. Uh, painful as that was, I knew that it would have been much worse to keep her in this state of misery. And that night when we came home, uh, we were sitting in our greenhouse watching television, and all of a sudden, I felt this electrical body come up and nuzzle next to my legs, exactly where she used to sit. And she came to let us know she was okay. Um, this was not a physical body, but an electrical body. And the impulses were, were very, uh, very, very real and powerful. And we knew at that point it was the right thing and that she was at peace, and she came to check up on us to make sure we were okay. Tell us about your animal healing ability. I find this rather uh, fascinating. I didn't know I had it. Uh, I've always had an affinity for animals. Mm -hmm. I love them probably more than people. Uh, but I uh, just after having read for years and years about energy work and uh, you know rubbing your hands together and creating this ball of energy and, and protecting yourself and doing all this, I started a. I, a there was a, a golden retriever in uh, in the at the. Jersey Shore, who had cancer and was listless. And, and we were looking at doing our kitchen down there, um, actually doing the kitchen here in the suburbs, but we used a company down there. And I said, would you mind if I laid hands on on him? And they said, no, they'd be grateful for anything that, you know, anything he could do. And I, you know, I prepared myself by rubbing my hands briskly and, and, and surrounding myself in like a pink bubble to protect the negative energy that this, whatever was in this dog if I could extract any of it, um, preventing it from getting into me. And I worked on, her, on him for, you know, maybe 10 minutes. And then uh, I said, you know, let me know if you see any change over the next week or 10 days. Mm -hmm. And a week later, they said, they called me and said, unbelievable. He's running around, he's eating, he's playing. What did you do? I said, I have no idea. I just gave him some energy. And he lasted a while, you know, before the sickness came back again. But um, these things with animals, I just have a very strong affinity for them and it's almost as if they know it because they if i'm standing on the front steps of the gallery in center city mm -hmm. and the dogs walk by they always stop and look and try and pull up to pull the owner to take them up to the steps to meet me <laughs> tell us about uh, your your paying it forward um that is you know years ago i watched a movie called pay it forward with helen hunt mm -hmm. and um kevin spacey and I looked at this movie and it had such an impact on me that I started to read about it and followed the idea that if you do one nice thing for three people, someone does something nice for you, then you pay mm -hmm. it forward to three other people. What a great place the world could be. And I've just lived my life like that. I, I don't want anything in return. I don't expect or ask for anything in return. It's just part of my MO of being who I am and just doing something nice for somebody else. Uh, it could be a smile walking down the street where someone's thinking about ending their life and that smile might change their mind to show that somebody cares. It could be making a donation anonymously. It could be, you know, helping someone across the street. It doesn't matter what it is. It's just, 
my way of taking my darkest days of my life and doing something to help someone else benefit from them. So basically, just being a good person. Pretty much, yeah. Gotcha. Doesn't cost anything to be a good person. No, it doesn't. Nice. No, it doesn't. What are your final thoughts for the audience of the Exxon Nation tonight? What would you like to tell them? Um, be kind to your fellow mankind and do the right thing. Uh, be nice to people and be open to the idea that uh, there's more than just what we see at this level of life, that life does go on and um, we're not alone. What are you up to next? Uh, any more books coming up? Oh, yes, I'm sure. Uh, I'm not sure specifically what <laughs> they'll be yet, I think. <laughs> You're waiting for I, the sign. I, I, won't know, I won't know that until it comes out of me. Um, but I'm sure, I'm sure I'll get a sign. I'm sure you will as well. What is your, what is your final thought when it comes to the... What would you like people to get out of reading your book? What is the message that you've, you've embedded in that book? And only those who read that book will get that message. Um, that we are not alone. And based on my experiences that I've shared, mm-hmm. um, I've been pretty open about them. Yeah. And uh, that they're just, you need to be aware and not be egocentric. The fact that we're not alone in the world. And this is just not all about us. I mean, there's a much bigger picture that the universe has a phenomenal design with good, bad, and different free will and everything else, and just uh, go about your life and enjoy it. And, you know, life is short. Some people don't get the gift of every of waking up every morning. Uh, but if you do, make the most of it and leave your imprint so that when you go to bed at night, you can say, did I make the world a better place? Mm-hmm. Did I do something to help someone else? Did I make a difference? In, in and go your- out and do that. In your opinion, if there is much more to the universe and if there is much more to life, then how come we haven't learned this from day one? Why is it only happening now? I think we're at a point in the world where there's so much chaos Mm -hmm. and so much um, pain that these things are starting to show up, and I think we're getting more and more signs to say, Hey, pal, this is not the way this is supposed to be. Um, you're screwing with the universe, and we don't like it. You know, and uh, basically, I think that's what it comes down to. I think that um, there are laws, universal laws that are out there, and there's karma. And you can't defeat karma. You can't not pay karma. So if you do something good, something good will happen. If you do something bad, something bad will happen, whether it's to you, your kids, or somebody else. Um, but the laws of karma are very real. But why would the, the laws, laws of the ca- universe are real? Okay, just a quick question here because I have to get ready to go. But something you said kind of ruffled me because you said, you know, you if you do bad to others, it may not come back on you, but to to your family, to your kids. Now, why would that happen? If if I am to blame, why would somebody else suffer for my mistake? If Probably if the universe kids, if the universe is very just. Well, yeah, I mean. That makes no sense. How much more painful can it be if something you do something and somebody does something back to you? That that's fine, but if you do something really horrific, uh-huh. then the universe might make you your kids pay, which is going to cause you a whole lot more pain. Well, than I'll tell you something. You. That's not the universe I want to be part of. So thanks very much for joining us tonight. 
Um, that is all wrong. That is all wrong, and yes, we dropped the line. Um, I, I, I can't buy that for one moment, that if I do something wrong, and if the universe is as great as so many people in the woo-woo factor of this world of ours would like to think it is, that the universe would would take its revenge out on my children? No. No way. I don't believe that at all. It wasn't Jesus who said, suffer little children to come on to me. And I've never heard of Jesus or anybody else saying, hey, you screwed up. I'm going to take it out on your kids. I don't agree with that one bit. I think it's a bunch of bullshit. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we continue here in the X-Zone with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our broadcast center and studios in beautiful Crystal Beach, Niagara, Ontario. Uh, listen, on a scale of 1 to 10, I give this past hour a 3. We'll be back. Don't go away. From world conflicts to falling financial markets, natural disasters, and more, wish the headlines would just stop. It's not a newsflash that life can feel like a pressure cooker. From managing work to building relationships, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. And for many of us, anxiety and stress are constant companions. But you are not alone. Support is out there, just waiting to meet you. And you can find it through friendly people at churchescare.com. At churchescare.com, we know that finding your community can feel intimidating. That's why we do the heavy lifting for you. Churchescare.com helps connect people like you to churches that can support and serve you. In your new community, you'll find a group of people ready to talk, listen, and help you navigate life through its twists and turns. All you have to do is come as you are. If you're ready to find your community, visit churchescare.com today. That's C-H-U-R-C-H-E-S-Care.com. We look forward to serving you. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for recurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. My first grader was behind in reading, and this program has made a huge difference. She's now reading above grade level. I use it for my kids' nightly reading for school. We love it, and it's super easy and quick to do. My kid, who just turned four years old and has been using the program since January of this year, can now read read. Thank you so much, Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word KID to 323232 right now. It's fast and easy. Text KID to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text the word KID to 323232. Text KID to 323232. 